Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Pastor Ben said a moment ago, is we're in prayer and fasting 21 days, and we're reading the Bible together for uh, this year, and on our, the YouVersion app, if uh, you have that, if not, you can download it. You can check that out at myabundantlife.com. There's a link there. Go through it with us this year. It's really easy. We're going to be reading God's Word together. So we're in Genesis and it's just uh, also as well in Matthew starting off this week. So I hope that you can tune in together. Wouldn't it be great if we get to the end of this year and we're all reading God's Word together? Isn't that a good thing? Amen. And I hope you do that with us Hey, this last week, we had a, uh, before I dive into it, I said I got a lot to talk about here just before we get into it today. But this last Wednesday was our first Wednesday prayer, and it was a powerful gathering here. These altars were full of people for prayer. It was an amazing time of worship as we're pouring out our hearts before God. And I hope that you would make First Wednesdays your priority every month. First Wednesday of every month, so we'll be back again in February as well, 6.30 to 7.30, right here. Mark your calendars right now. Just mark it off. You're going to be here the first Wednesday of every month for our first Wednesday. Our theme for this year is one, and uh, we're going to be talking about one mission, one message, and one God over the next three weeks. And I want, will you just take a moment today and dream with me what impact it would make upon the kingdom of God if each person here discipled one person this year? What kind of kingdom impact, for those of you that are believers, would it make if each person in this church took on and said, listen, I'm going to disciple one person this year? And I want to talk about that today. Could you imagine what it would do for the kingdom of God? Church, are you here today? I mean, this is good stuff that we're going to talk about God's word and uh, that uh, we want to disciple because we're called to make disciples. Isn't that true? See, um, if each one reached one, and some of you are already freaking out a little bit like, not me, I can't do this, but listen, God has called you and me to disciple and make disciples of all people, of all nations. Isn't that true? And so listen, I want to talk about a few things before we dive in here, that we get this from the life of Jesus in the early apostles as well, is that we should prioritize the gospel, the good news, above everything else. And we should do whatever it takes to reach all people. And so we want to just say with that is reaching the one will always take priority over the comforts of the 99. Now that's what Jesus did, amen? That you and I, we are called to make disciples, not just converts. I want to say that again. You and I, that's you and me, we're called to make disciples, not just converts. That people just get converted and nothing else happens with them and follow Christ. Um, how many history nerds are listening today? How many of you history nerds in here? A couple of you. That, uh, you know, one of the Civil War's intriguing figures is the Union's General-in-Chief, George McClellan. And on paper, President Lincoln couldn't have hoped for a better general. They called him the Young Napoleon because he possessed an incredibly strategic mind. 
He was the youngest member ever to be accepted to the U.S. Military Academy at age 15, graduated top of his class. He was an excellent recruiter. When he came on board, he increased the volunteers for the Army by 300% in four months. Troops loved him. Under him, they started really to believe. So no one was surprised when President Lincoln made McClellan general-in-chief. He had the experience. He had the talent. He had it all. And so he has a powerhouse army, outnumbering his enemy more than two to one. But there was one problem. McClellan would not fight. He would not advance the army. Amazing. For weeks, General McClellan readied his position, organized, and he strategized. Lee's army lay dangerously exposed just a few miles away. And President Lincoln repeatedly urged McClellan to put his numerical and tactical advantage to use and crushed the rebellion with one swift attack. McClellan understood the strategy. He knew the odds, but he just would not fight. After all of this inactivity, Lincoln removed him and then put in another one that we know well is Ulysses S. Grant. The, this, this guy, he, he is a man he would pick a fight with a beehive buck naked if he had to. That was the type of guy we're talking about here. The greatest asset of a military person is their ability to fight. Without that, all the other assets are ultimately useless. And I share that with you because I'm going to talk to you about something as Christians and as a church, we have to do well, something which without everything else we do is absolutely useless, and that one thing is make disciples. No matter how good we are at everything else, if we don't do that well, then what happens is, according to the Bible, we fail. That we can have, raise money and have great buildings and do great ministry, but if we don't make disciples, we fail. That's what the Word of God says. Matthew 28, if you have your Bibles, this will be our theme verse for this year that many of you know well and probably could say by heart, but I want to come back to this at the beginning part of this year and lead our time together and lead our discussion and preach on this, the last chapter in the first book of the New Testament, the Great Commission verse. It is one mission, verse 19. Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, there's some verbs in here. You see, go, make disciples, baptize, teach. Make disciples is really the central portion of the Great Commission inside of this verse. Everything else, going, teaching, baptizing, is an extension of making disciples. Make disciples is the center, and it is the core. Well, in my early days of Bible college, I came across a book that I had to read called The Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman, and here's what he had to say. The Great Commission is not merely to go to the ends of the earth preaching the gospel, nor to baptize a lot of converts, nor to teach them the precepts of Christ, but to make disciples, to build men like themselves who are so constrained by the commission of Christ that they not only followed Jesus themselves, but this is key, led others to follow him too. The criteria 
He says, upon which any church should measure its success is not how many new names are added to the role or how much the budget is increased, but rather how many Christians are actively winning souls and training them to win the multitudes. Heaven celebrates disciples. Heaven celebrates disciples. So here's a couple of questions I want to start off with. What is a disciple? That may be just that baseline that I want to talk about. If you've been in church any length of time, you probably recognize this word. But you see that in it, the word translated as disciple, it was from a Hebrew term at first that meant that was a follower. They were a student of their master. They, they walked after the rabbi, the teacher, somebody that they wanted to be like and that they trusted in, and they would go and sit at their feet. Sitting at their feet was really an application to learn from them. And if they were going to be a worthy follower, a disciple, they had to carry on the cause of which they were called to follow after. You know, supposedly the highest compliment you could give a disciple was to say, the dust of your rabbi is all over me. That you are following your teacher, you are following your rabbi so closely, you are right there with them, that the dust that they stirred up is now upon you because you're a follower of that teacher. Again, a disciple, they didn't merely just want to know the master, they wanted to do what the master told them to do. So let's just talk about this for a moment. Disciples are followers who go all on to do what Jesus commanded, which includes making other disciples. See, a disciple of Jesus is not somebody who just wants to know what Jesus taught, excuse me, but they wanted to live that way as well. And it was so ingrained in them, they just didn't want to hear the word of the Lord. They wanted to do the word of the Lord. And in the book of Acts, the verb make disciples is issued to describe both the initial act of helping someone come to know Jesus, what happens in a moment, what happens in a second, as well as the act of helping them in the lifelong process of becoming a follower of Jesus. How many of you know being a follower of Jesus is a lifetime event? How many of you know that? That at the moment that you accepted Jesus into your life, that wasn't one and done and over. It was there you began the journey of following after Jesus, and you had a desire and a passion and a hunger to not only learn more about him, but to do what he's called you to do. So the commission to make disciples called the Great Commission was given and is given to us. It's a special assignment for every follower of Jesus. If you look at the word, there's many ways that we see this. In Titus 2, Paul commands the older women to train the younger women. In 2 Timothy 2, Paul tells Timothy to train faithful men in his congregation so that what? They could train others. In Ephesians 6, Paul tells fathers to train their children in the ways of God. And here's what he's saying through this. The Great Commission applies to absolutely every Christian on planet earth. So there's no such thing as a non-reproducing Christian. How many of you know that? That you and I are called to reproduce Jesus in other people. That's why Jesus said, follow me and I will make you what? 
fishers of men, which means as you and I are following Jesus, he's going to make you and me to be a fisher of men and women that are lost. Can I hear an amen? John 15, 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. If you look at that, how do you and I prove that we are a disciple of Christ? By bearing fruit. And so this is what he's calling us to reproduce in our life and to reproduce in other people that are around us. So his plan and Jesus' plan uh, in this world is not big ministries or uber-talented people, but ordinary Christians that are filled with the Holy Spirit making disciples everywhere they went. You and I are God's method. I love this. Robert Coleman says in his book, God's plan for disciple is not something but someone. You are God's method to reaching a lost world for the hope, with the hope of Jesus Christ. Could you turn to the person next to you and say, you are God's method. Come on, you are God's method. You are God's method to reaching the world and to make disciples of all men. You're the method. And you, you're, some of you are like, whoa, whoa, not me. No, there's no way. I, I, you know, I'm not super talented. I, you know, I'm not really. But, but through the work of the Holy Spirit, he is going to use you. And he is using you even now as you are ministering, as you're speaking into people's life. And you know how, where it simply starts? It just simply starts with you and I saying, yes, Lord. Amen? How many of you know Jesus is looking for availability more than anything else? He's not looking for the uber-talented first. He's looking for those that are saying yes to him today and that will do what he's called you to do. So how many of you know if the church gets good at discipleship, then church growth and church planning will take care of themselves? Isn't that true? That is true. And this is our role. And you say, well, I don't know. I I'm, I'm, might not be able to preach well and not be able to teach well, but you can invite someone into your life to observe your walk with Jesus and to show them how to follow Jesus like you follow Jesus. It's that simple. And if, so if we're, if we're going to be the movement, we, we can't just reach new people. We've got to turn them into disciples. We've got to turn the corner on this. You know, I'd say here at Abundant Life Church, really reaching people has really been something that, probably comes naturally to us in many ways. Um, but this thing I'm talking about here is not as natural. And um, that we focus a lot on reaching people. We do. But we need to help people grow deeper in Jesus. You know, um, I was uh, growing up in middle school. I was this scrawny little kid. I, you know, I was so skinny and um, I just was praying, God, I just want to be taller. I was like the shortest in my class. I really was. And then it was like that transition that I came through summer into my ninth grade year that I like, I grew like six inches and I started to put some meat on my bones. And, and so I didn't look as scrawny. This is kind of what I'm talking about here, that you and I in the body of Christ need to start putting some muscle and putting some meat on our bones to going to the next level and saying, listen, we're not just interested in reaching people. We want them to follow after Christ so that they would be a lifelong disciple of him. Amen? That we can grow to this next level. You know, and there's many different ways that we have. We have our great discipleship classes 
that we offer that are absolutely amazing. And that's a part of our discipleship uh, that we have, our classes that take place. And you can find those online as well. Amazing teachers. But also, there's the one-on-one portion where you and I would take on one person and we would disciple them and we would minister to them. See, the goal of disciple is being transformed to become more like Jesus, not just to getting to be a better Christian. Amen? It's, it's all of you and me trying to become more like Jesus today than we were yesterday. And so here's some things that I, I think will probably help with this. Is like, well, how do you identify and how do you know if you're growing as a disciple? Well, I want to talk about like four, five core identities in looking at this where he says, teach them to obey all things that I have commanded. What are some of those things? Well, number one I want to talk about is a worshiper. A disciple seeks to know, love, and obey God above everything else. You know, how many of you know that worship is not just a part of life? It is the Christian life. I mean, your life is worship, that everything starts with that. You know, the great commandment is that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. A true disciple is first and foremost a worshiper of the Lord. Number two, a disciple is a family member, right? So a disciple's not just a believer, they're a belonger. They're a belonger. They, they belong to something that's bigger than themselves, not just an event. We say this, you know, church isn't just an event where you come and attend, but a community and a family where you should belong, a family whose connection is strong, maybe even stronger than your biological family. It's a spiritual family. That, that you and I are called to. And one of those ways that we do that around here is our ALC groups. And you'll hear more about that by the time we get done. So a disciple not only believes, they belong to the body of Christ. And they say, listen, this is, this is my family, and I love them, and I pray for them, and they pray for me. And then third, a disciple is a servant. A disciple is one who has taken on Jesus' posture of service to the world. A posture that's exemplified in washing his disciples' feet. You remember that. And he says, uh, you know what? Jesus on that one occasion when he's washing them told them that if he who had all power used that power to serve, they should use any power, position, or privilege they have also to serve. For a true disciple, their whole life is characterized by service. Then fourth, a disciple is a steward. A a disciple manages God's gifts for God's purposes. A disciple realizes that anything he or she has ultimately is given by God not for our own purpose, but for God's. That our money is not our own. Our time, our talents, and our treasures are not our own. He gave them to you and me for a reason, and that reason is to serve his kingdom. So if you're a disciple, you have to come to the point where you say, God, all these things I have are yours, and I want to use them for your purpose. Fifth, a disciple is a witness. That each disciple recognizes that it's his or her responsibility to to make disciples. Matthew 4, 19, follow me and I will make you fishers Amen. That means when you accepted the call to follow Jesus, you accepted the call to bring people to Jesus. There's no such thing as someone who follows Jesus as is not actively attempting to bring others to him. 
that you and I are called to do that. So today, I just wonder, maybe you are discipling someone, and that's absolutely amazing. Maybe it's something you've been thinking about, praying about, because God has been talking to you about it. Maybe today, this is kind of the first time it showed up on your radar, and you're like, wow, yes, as a true disciple of Jesus, this is what I'm called to do. I'm called to make disciples, because that's a call to everybody. That I'd like to ask you today, who's your one? Who's the one person that you could say today, I am discipling them, or I am going to pray into that today, and I'm going to think about who that is for you and for me. That at least one person that you're praying for, seeking to build a relationship with, and trying to point them to Jesus. So I just want to encourage us today, do you know who your one is? And if not, why don't you ask God to reveal that to you and who he wants that to be? Would you do that? Who is the one person that you could say, I am going to pray, I am going to also pour into their life through this next year, and I'm going to do this, and we're going to see lives change for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the best way to build the church. This is the best way to do it his way. It's the essence of what it means to be a, a disciple, make disciples, train someone. And so it's so important. So we can't do it alone. We should do it together. So we want to be committed to making disciples, not just converts, because that's the essence of the Great Commission. How do we do that? Well, we witness with our life. How many of you know that? People are watching you and me rather than hearing what we say most of the time. They're watching your life. They watch you. They see you. They see what you're doing, where you're going. They know that you're probably at church today if they're close enough to you. So we do that so we understand that the gospel is not an inspiring demonstration about what an awesome person you and I are, but, but the news about Jesus and what he has done for you because we were so messed up, he had to die for us. The gospel is not, well, just be a kind person like me, but you know what? I once was lost, and now I am found, amen? But Jesus saved me, and I could even save myself, and that requires your words. I love how Coleman also says, one must decide where he wants his ministry to count, in the momentary applause of popular recognition or in the reproduction of his life in a few chosen men who will carry on his work after he has gone. So true. That discipleship is visionary because it goes beyond today and it pours into people for tomorrow. So how, how do you and I discover our mission? You, you, how many of you know you have a mission? God has put you on a mission. Well, number one, it's through your vocation. Genesis 1 says that God created us in his, in his image. So if you use Genesis chapters 1 and 2 about what that means, you would say that we are creators with God, co-creators. God's referred to as creator 12 times. In his image, you are a co-creator. He puts you in this world that has a lot of unfinished business to do to take the raw material and make something out of it. So the architect takes the raw material of sand and rock and makes a building. The, the lawyer, the doctor, the artist, whatever it may be, in doing that, what we're doing is we are fulfilling the role for which God has placed us on this earth. You know, how many of you know God works in providential ways? He works through us. 
Martin Luther said that in our secular vocation, God wears us as a mask, caring for the world through us. That's why some of you enjoy your work so much, because you've learned to see that happen. God did not maybe call you into full-time ministry, but God designed many of you to be mechanics and mothers and whatever it may be, that God's called you to love this lost world by what you do. So that's a first step. And then it is, how do you find your mission? It's through your spiritual gifts. Through your spiritual gifts. I, I wish I could spend more time on this, but I think this is one of the things that we, we like to do is we're taking people through our growth track and taking them into those next steps. We do a spiritual gifts test. And if you have never done one, do one because it's so good to find out what your spiritual gift is. But this is so good. But Paul gives us, he gives us several spiritual gifts lists in the Bible. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. But here's the thing. None of these lists are exhaustive. None are the same. And what appears on one doesn't appear on the other which means that these lists should probably not be seen maybe as like a catalog to look up your gift, like, oh, I'm just going to look up my gift here, you know. But, but it's in discovering what God has put in your life already to use for the mission that he's placed you on because you have special abilities. And he's going to work through those special abilities. And, and we need to know what those special abilities that he's given to every one of us. Spiritual places where God works in you to bless others. Um, for example, I have the spiritual gifts of exhortation, leadership, faith, but God uses those things in me so that I can bless other people. How many of you know God gave you a spiritual gift not just for you? God gave you a spiritual gift so you'll turn around and bless somebody else, amen, to, to use that. That's, that's a part of your mission. So, we uh, understand that how important our spiritual gifts are. Here's a couple of questions, three practical questions I'd like to end with today. The first one is, are you a disciple? Did you know that the first Christians did not call themselves Christians? They called themselves disciples. Christian was just a name that was like attached on down the road. Matter of fact, Acts eleven twenty six, and it says, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now, were called, that's passive. The, the first Christians didn't call themselves Christians because that was a derogatory name in that day that meant little Christ. What did they call themselves? You see that in that same chapter verse of Acts, they said they called themselves disciples. In fact, the word Christian is only used three times in the New Testament. But disciple is used 281 times. A disciple, you and I are lifelong followers. We're called to this. This is what we're called to do. So are you a disciple? If not, you can become a follower of him today, right now. And it's a simple act of surrender, a simple act of coming to him and saying, God, I want to follow after you. Thank you for what you did for me. And I want to reproduce what you did in me to other people that are desperately in need of a word of hope. You know, I, I think it's so great. Jesus doesn't say, prove yourself to me. I'll let you be my disciple. He says, simply receive me. 
turn your life over to me. Believe in me, and I will make you a disciple. Number two, have you been baptized in water? Have you been baptized? And uh, he says, Jesus said, repent of your sins. Be baptized, every one of you. That, that's, a, that's another step. of If you've n- never been baptized, our house party is going to be on January 29th, all right? So it's going to be a great, great Sunday, both of our services. And uh, you can sign up online. You go to myabundantlife.com, check out those events there that's coming up. And you can be water baptized. And uh, that's a part of being a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but salvation and discipleship and, and uh, water baptism get me excited. Because we are a church that believes in life change. We are a church that believes that God is in the life-changing business. And he continues to do that. And then number three, the question is, are you a disciple maker? Are you intentionally bringing someone else along as a disciple? And so interesting, the New Testament verb make disciples applies to both helping someone with the initial act of conversion as well as helping them grow the rest of their life. That you and I are supposed to be involved in all of that inside of that person that God is calling you to minister to right now because without it, they're lost. And lost has become a lost art in the church because there's people within close proximity to our lives that are headed to hell. And this world has become so distracting that we have forgot that lost people matter to God. Thus, they matter to me. It's my job. It's my job. Are you a disciple maker? You know, years back, this is a number of years, eight, nine years ago, I, we gave out this book called Multiply by Francis Chan. I've been looking for some great material on helping people raise and make disciples. I really found nothing better than that book. I couldn't find the link to it, because, but I have it now. I couldn't find it until after I got my message ready. But I'm going to provide the link here this week. And there is a link so you can download the book 100% free. And it's called Multiply by Francis Chan. There is no better exhaustive plan to help other people walk through discipleship. And I think it's so well done on how when you meet with that person weekly or every other week, is your disciple important? And you're like, well, I don't even know what to say. This book will help you know what to say. And just um, being intentional, being intentional in our discipleship and intentional about about loving other people and uh, wanting to see them on their way to heaven, but help them every single day of what it means to be a follower of Christ. We understand that the Great Commission is not a calling for some, but is a mandate for all. So listen, it doesn't matter if you're growing yourself or even if you're a brand new Christian, every disciple of Jesus can be a disciple maker. Every Christian is born to reproduce. And so today, maybe you're realizing that, and now you're ready to take that first step. And I'll just, through this all, don't feel beat up. Just start today. Just begin this new year saying, God, I'm going to begin to pray. You're going to continue to hear us talk about this, this one, this one mission, this one mission. This is the mission that matters. 
this one mission, the Great Commission. That's it. That's what matters more than anything else. There's no greater joy in our lives, and I know there's many of you that have done this in this room or in the sound of my voice here online, that when you lead someone to Jesus, there, there, is, there is actually no greater joy in that alone. That is the greatest miracle. Amen? And so when you were talking, you're pouring into people. I had that opportunity this last week on our midweek service. Afterward, I prayed with somebody. They said, I've never followed Jesus. And I said, do you want to follow him tonight? And he said, yes. And I prayed with him, and he's a new creation in Jesus. There is no greater joy. Amen? Thank you, Lord. There's no greater joy. So then as we come to that, there's no greater joy than that. And then seeing them discipled, to, that you're, you got followers. Jesus has followers. There's people around you that God wants you to pour into. That person that desperately needs to know how to follow Jesus Christ. They're in your life. They're in your world. They're there. God loves them. God wants to give them hope. You are God's method. We've done that too long in the body of Christ. It's my method. I'm the method. You're the method that God uses to reach lost people because lost people matter to him. Father, Lord, though this word may feel today convicting, Lord, I pray that we would not feel beat up over it, but God, we would be called back to this central theme of your word to go and make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God, I pray today that, Lord, that we would take this mandate on and say, God, we know it's already been provided. We don't have to guess. It's a direct command from you that you have given us one, one mission, the Great Commission, and we have been commissioned to do it. And I pray for us, I pray for us as a church this year that we would take this seriously. That God, if we, would, we don't have somebody that we're discipling, God, we would write their name down and we would begin to pray for them even before we talk to them. So that you would soften the soil of their heart. Father, I pray that in Jesus' name. Today in this room, are you a disciple? Are you an actual disciple of him? If not, you can come to him now. And it's not about what you can prove. It's about just believing and receiving and turning your life over to him. So today in this moment, do you want to become a disciple of Christ? Do you want to become a follower of him? I'm going to give you that opportunity right now that you say, you know what, I'm come. I've come today to turn my life over to Jesus. If you're here and you're saying, I want to become a follower of him, would you raise your hand? Can I see your hands in this place? I see that hand back here on my right. Any hands? Any more? Father, I thank you for your spirit. Father, I thank you for the one today that I saw. Father, I thank you, Lord, that they're coming to you. Your word says that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. I pray that in your mighty name today, we pray. And everyone said, Amen.
Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.